want you to turn with me in the book of Psalms once again, 23. We're coming to the end of this chapter. I know you thought we'd never get here, uh, but we are getting closer, phrase by phrase, uh, just uh, as we get a little closer. And we're going to see that tonight God uh, provides. He is our provision. And I love uh, this phrase in verse 5 that we're going to key in on here as we learn a little bit more about our shepherd a little bit more about his characteristics. And I've learned personally so much about God's care for me uh, individually, but also how God wants me to care for others. I hope that Psalms 23 has been a blessing to you. I know it has been for me. So if you get there, would you stand with me? And let's, turn, uh, let's read this aloud together. Uh, Psalms chapter 23, as we stand and read this together tonight as a church family. Are you there? Say amen. 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 All right. Let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And God's people said, Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, for this precious psalm that we've spent so much time, because you reveal so much about yourself in these just six little verses here. Lord, it reveals your character to us. And Lord, though we may be distanced uh, culturally and by time from uh, the, the shepherd and the life of a shepherd, I'm thankful we can go back into that culture and understand a little bit more what uh, the intent of the author was so that we can know you better. And so, Father, I just pray that you would bless the message tonight. Lord, remind us that you are God. Lord, as we heard our missionary talk about uh, the struggles, but he also talked about how you provide in the midst of the struggles. And so that's, and for that uh, tonight, Lord, we just stop and give you glory. We praise you because we are fearfully and wonderfully made in your image. And truly, as verse 6 says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of our life. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So come to the verse, verse number 5. We're encouraged by God's provision here that's displayed in verse 5. It says, Now preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, so far we've learned so much about the character and the person of God. The Lord alone, as we just talked about that in the very first message all those many months ago, and we talked about how, who He was and how He works in our life, this uh, psalm has revealed much more about Him individually, but also we see that He uh, equates Himself to the shepherd. And Jesus Christ said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. I'm the one that truly cares for your soul. He says, uh, my sheep uh, know my voice. They hear me, they follow me. What a tremendous thing that he has spent time with us and we can identify him by just, just simply hearing his voice. But we see that he is our shepherd. He provides for us. We saw this in the second phrase of verse 1. I shall not want. God provides all that we need. But here even in the midst of all of the troubles that we're around, we find in verse 5, he gets a little bit more specific. He says, thou preparest a table before, uh, for me in the presence of mine enemies. 
It doesn't mean that God's going to remove their enemies. It's not going to remove all of the troubles, all of the trials. Amen. He hasn't removed COVID-19, but He has allowed us to continue to minister, and He provides for us in the midst of that. And so, church, let me just encourage you. God never, uh, and maybe I'm giving you the end at the beginning, but, you know, you, you just get what you get. But, but God never promises us that, that we're going to walk through this life and things are going to be perfectly rosy. But he does promise his presence in the midst of it all. And as we walk through this, he says, not only am I with you, not only do I comfort you, not only do I provide the rod and the staff to protect you, but we see in verse number five, he says, thou prepares a table uh, before me in the presence of mine enemies. We have nothing, nothing to fear. As sheep move to the high ranges, before that ever comes, uh, the shepherd moves first. The shepherd prepares the way. Now, the high rangers are, are called tablelands. As a matter of fact, if in the western areas of the United States uh, that have a Spanish influence, they're called uh, mesas or mesas. It's the Spanish word for tables. And so uh, this is also, uh, there's an African word, and I'm going to butcher it, but maybe our, our friends over here could also uh, help me. It's quizhali or something like that. I, it's not Swahili. So good. I, I, I can say however I want. Hallelujah. But this also, this African word uh, that they refer to is also uh, means table. So it's very common for these high upper ranges, uh, similar to like a high plateau, to be called a table land. And so when we come to verse 5, thou preparest a table before me. Remember, we still have this, uh, this symbolism of the sh uh, shepherd and the sheep. He says, well, you've gone before and you've prepared these table lands, this place of summer ranges, these areas where we can get fed, this place where we can enjoy uh, the, the riches in these higher upper regions and the cooler temperatures in the summer. And so as David writes this, I can just imagine him picturing in his own mind's eye this shepherd who goes before and he prepares. He's, he has some provision that, uh, that has to go on here. And so we're going to see two things here. The preparation and protection that uh, is provided by God's going ahead. We sang a song tonight by request. I, I messaged Brother Greg this week and said, Hey, could you sing I Know Who Holds Tomorrow? Because it is a reminder, and it kind of steers our heart to be reminded, that God is the one that's already in our tomorrow. He's the one that's already there. And just as the shepherd goes before us and he prepares the tablelands, he goes before and he prepares everything for us, so uh, our Lord does the same in our life. He goes before us and he prepares our tomorrow before we're ever there. And so sometimes we worry, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen the next day? I, I, I don't know, but I know this. God's already there, and He's already in preparation. And so even before the snow falls, or before all the snow has left and melted, we see that the preparation is underhand. The shepherd goes ahead, he makes uh, survey trips into this country up in the plateau lands, and he looks it over with great care, and he keeps in mind what is best for his flock in the coming season. He knows his flock, as we've already seen. He's very familiar with them. He, he spends time with them. He's associated with them. And so before the sheep arrives, though, he goes back and he, he makes several more expeditions because he has to prepare this land. And so he takes a, many times he takes along some things to add to the land. And he has to go also before and remove some things. 
And so the type of preparation that he offers is indicative of a caring shepherd. He removes and he adds. He removes some things that shouldn't be there. He puts things like salt and minerals on the ground so that, uh, so that the sheep will have what they need while they're there. And so let's look first at this removing. You ever been to a restaurant and you walked into that restaurant and you go to sit down and the waitress takes you to the table or you just go find a table and that table that you want to sit at is covered in crumbs and food. We see that a lot lately with the, with the labor shortage we're seeing. Uh, but, uh, but man, you go and you sit down and you're like, man, I really don't want to eat uh, in a place where no one has cleaned yet. There is things there that shouldn't be there. There's a stickiness. If you're in IHOP, there's a syrup, a pile of syrup right there, and you're sticky, and you put your hand down, and you're like, oh, some kid was here. There's crumbs there from somebody eating their bread or whatever it may be. And all of this is left on the table. Maybe there's a pile of dishes even there because the preparations weren't made. Well, in the same way we want those things removed from the table, there are some things that the shepherd wants to remove from the tablelands of our life. And so he goes over the range carefully to determine what should be there, what shouldn't be there, and he prepares the way. So oftentimes there's poisonous weeds that grow in the tablelands, and he has to work to eradicate them. And so he goes along before this. On the screen there, and I apologize, this isn't the clearest picture, this is a deadly weed called the death camas. It can be deadly to sheep, particularly to lambs. It comes up with a little white flower. And if the lambs eat just even a little of the, the leaves, it can uh, spell certain death for them. The lambs can become paralyzed, and they'll stiffen up like little blocks of wood, and they eventually succumb to the toxics, uh, poisons of the plants. But this is only one of, of about 83 different plants that I researched on, uh, that are hazardous to the life of a sheep. Can you gather that? That's a lot of things to have to pull out of the ground in order to prepare the tablelands for the sheep. And he goes before and he looks for all of these. Some of these things that were very common as I looked through the list, I didn't bring them all. But the diligent shepherd's going to go before and he's going to spend days going over the ground with a sack and plucking up these and putting them in a sack so he can destroy them later at the campfire. The shepherd removes all of these things because he knows they cause harm to the sheep. And so as David penned these lines... He had in the back of his mind the tireless effort of, uh, of that shepherd who was preparing the tablelands for those sheep, going before. And I can picture him just slowly walking before the sheep as he takes a step and he's scanning the ground and he's looking for anything that might be a hazard to those sheep. Aren't you thankful the Lord does that for us in our life? There's a beautiful picture here of all that God does because in the, this parallel is, is obvious because like the sheep and especially lambs, we somehow have a tendency to go after and taste everything that is before us. You ever notice that? And it's not always good stuff for us. We may even know that some of the things that we're going to try are deadly, but we think, well, one little taste won't do me any harm. Much like that death canvas that I showed you there. But so God, in order to forestall us getting into this kind of grief, goes before us and He remembers, He goes ahead of us to uh, help cope with every situation that may arise. And an example of this is when Jesus Christ warned Peter that Satan desired to tempt him and sift him like wheat. He went uh, to him and said, listen, Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. And so prepare. And so Christ pointed out the temptation and He prayed that Peter's faith might not fail during that difficulty that he would encounter. Our shepherd does the same. And he goes before us and he prepares and he tries to remove the things from our life that needs to be removed. 
But you also see that there's some repairing done. Not just some removing, but some repairing, some adding to. I mentioned already that as the shepherd goes before, oftentimes he'll take some minerals or some salt, and he places those things in strategic places upon the land so that, the, the, uh, so that he can add to uh, the, what the, sh- the sheep may need there in those highlands. Another type of preparation the shepherd cares for is, is he goes and he cleans out water holes. He finds the springs and the drinking places for his stock. And he cleans out any of the accumulated debris of the leaves and the twigs and the stones and the soil that may have fallen into this water source during the uh, autumn and the winter. And sometimes he even has to repair the dams that he's made so that they hold water again. And he will open uh, springs that may have become overgrown with grass. And he, and he, and he just, just makes sure that all of his works is for preparation so that his sheep have what they need. In the same in the Christian life, Christ, our great shepherd, has himself gone before us in every situation that we might encounter. We're told he emphatically that he was tempted in all points as we are, but yet he was without sin. And Hebrews 4.15 says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in, was, temp, was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. Christ knows what you're going through. Christ knows what you're going to encounter. And we know He fully entered in, and fully completely and, and very intimately knows what, uh, what we're going to go through in this life. In, in, Luke, in Luke chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, we see the temptation of Christ as, as the devil just came to the uh, to. Uh, the wilderness there and tried to tempt him and drag him away and drag him out and it was in those moments that he used the scripture to uh, uh, to uh, defend himself against those temptations that he faced listen he knows what we go through he knows the sorrows that we're going to experience he knows the sufferings he knows the struggles he was a man of sorrows as the scripture says he was acquainted with grief in Isaiah 53 and because of this He is able to totally identify himself with humanity, and he has a care and a compassion for us beyond our ability to even grasp. We're going to look at more of that here in a little bit as we see a little bit more in detail uh, Christ's willingness to identify as a man and what he gave up to do that. But it's it's no wonder he makes every possible provision to ensure that he has prepared the way. And so he makes sure that we have... Uh, what we need to, to deal with Satan, sin, and self, to be able to make sure that the contest is not one-sided. We're reminded that he goes before us, he goes with us, he walks through the valley with us, he carries the rod and the staff, and all of those things we're grateful for him. In, in Psalms 23, if you haven't gotten a picture, bigger picture of God and his care for you in your life, you've missed something along the way, because all along the way, we see our shepherd cares for his sheep. It's in this attitude of rest in Him, of confidence in His care, of just being able to relax uh, in Him, in His presence, that that, uh, Psalms 23 paints for us. Because in the Christian life, we can experience a calm, a quiet, a peace of God, that peace of God which passes all understanding. Some people struggle with peace. We, we pick up anxieties and we, we love to worry, we love to stress, we love to, uh, to be, uh, just, just to be totally encumbered with the, with the things of this world. And so God gave us Philippians chapter 4 and he reminds us uh, how we can have the peace of God and that's by totally, completely committing our troubles to him. And he says in 1 Peter 5, 7, and cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. You know, in our Christian walk, we can enjoy a great mountaintop experience, a, a tableland trip, if you will. 
simply because we are in the care and the control of Christ who has been over all of this territory before us. He's prepared the way for us in the plain view of our enemies. But you notice that there is a putting off and the putting on aspect that the Bible talks about. If you look in Ephesians 4, you can look there with me. It won't be on the screen. It's just for fun tonight. Ephesians chapter 4. He begins in, in the first three chapters of Ephesians to lay out some very practical doctrinal things for our life. And then the last three chapters is how to live out those things that he's taught in the first three. And, and chapter 4 and following, he begins with this theme of putting off and putting on. And there's some, some things in our life, if we're going uh, to, to be able to walk with Christ, we've got to put off some things and put on some things. Much like the shepherd does in the tableland life. He takes some things off and he puts some, adds some things to the land. He repairs the land and makes it what it should be. Well, in our own life, he wants to do the same. Verse 22. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now there's a putting off and putting on that he begins to talk about. Well, this was repeated in other areas as well throughout the remainder of the, of the passage. But I want you to see that, that as we walk through this life, God wants to begin to take some things off of our life and remove some things that are a hindrance that could be harmful, much like that uh, camas weed I told you about a second ago, some things that could literally be death to the spirit, uh, your spirit and God's spirit being able to be cohesive together. And he says, I want you to remove these things so that you can walk with me more intimately than ever before. But there's also some things then that I want you to put on. So some things we might put off are things uh, that are uh, the lusts of the flesh. If Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 it says, Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And he makes a list of some of those things. Even in, in Corinthians, he talks about uh, before Christ, all of the different things that we were, were sinners before Christ. And he says, since Christ, we can live freely to Him. But as we see here, we, we see there's also some things we must put on, replace those things. You know, if I take something out of my life, but I never put something back, then that, that old habit will come back in its place. So, for example, if, if I'm struggling uh, with, uh, with uh, uh, just maybe al uh, drunkenness or alcoholism, and those things are part of my life and have been part of my life, uh, and if I never replace that habit with anything else, then the likeliness is that I'm going to jump back into that. But it's not just that. It can be uh, other issues, lust and different things. If we, if we don't uh, add the Word of God, if we don't add time in prayer, if we don't add uh, just a, a desire and a hunger for the things of God, then those habits, those lustful things will come back into the life. And so God is working for, in, in our life as that shepherd to put off and to put on. He wants to remove some things and to bring some things in our life that are good. Now, we also see that he wants to protect. He says in, in verse number 20, uh, verse 5 there, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I love the fact that God reminds us here that it's not, doesn't mean just because you're a Christian that things are going to be perfect. You know, when I became a, a Christian, that didn't mean that my life was going to be absolutely perfect from here on out. It just means I have someone to go before me. And it means that someone is there to guide me. It just means that someone is there uh, to, to encourage me and walk with me along the way. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'll never, never, never be alone again in my life. Never. 
Not ever one time. And some of you may be dealing with loneliness, and I want to encourage you to tap into the friendship of the Lord and find, find a, just reach out to those that are around you and be able to be encouraged by other brethren. But really, the Lord said that I will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and I encourage you to tap into Him. But the shepherd not only prepares a table, but he also keeps an eye out for those predators. Think about this. As he walks through those tablelands, we find that shepherd not only scanning for uh, the ground, but also he's looking above and he's looking for signs of predators, whether it's a, uh, a pole mark or some other uh, sign. Matter of fact, he looks for wolves or coyotes or cougars or bears. If these raid or molest the sheep, he'll have to hunt them down. Look at this picture of this uh, lamb being torn apart by just a little coyote. I tell you, that's a sad, sad thing to see. You know, none of us would want to experience that. But, and so I want to just remind you that we have a real adversary, someone who desires to, just like this picture is, to, to destroy us. And he sa- talks about this in 1 Peter 5, 8. says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so this shepherd, he goes before us, and he looks. Oftentimes, these uh, types of critters are pretty sneaky. A few years ago, we were walking the property, and I, I don't remember how many years ago it was. My wife might be able to remember. But we were just taking a walk with the kids, and we're out and about and around the backside, walking back up by the highway here, and I hear uh, a cougar. If you've ever heard a cougar scream, you know it is a very uh, unnerving sound. It sounds much like a woman in distress would scream. Uh, and uh, we heard that sound, and instantly I knew what that was, and I sent Kristen on and I sent her to the house with the kids, and I said, y'all get to the house, that's a cougar. I said, I don't know where it is, but I'm going to try to find it. Isn't that so, so dumb? <laughs> so I said, you, you go on that direction, I'm going to go and find this cougar. And so I, I heard where it was, I walked across the, the highway there, and I saw a couple of foxes protecting their den and trying to push this cougar back away from their little fox den. It was an incredible picture. Uh, I didn't have a camera, nothing to capture it with, uh, but I saw that cougar, and he was very stealthy, but those fox came out, and they, they defended their den uh, with everything they had because they little, had little youngins in there. But you know, those, those cougars, those coyotes, especially cougars, they're hard sometimes to, to see in the daylight. They often uh, do their, wreck their havoc at night. They don't want to be known, but you see the evidence of what happens. Only the alertness of the shepherd that tends to the flock, and only the alertness of the shepherd who watches for those predators is able to keep those at bay. Many in in contemporary Christian circles today, they, they don't believe that Satan is even real. They write him off. There's some sort of a mythical tale. But let me just say, some even deny it exists, but we see the evidence. We may not see him, but we see the evidence of his merciless attacks and carnage in our society. We see women who have fallen, fallen prey to this over and again all around us. And there's no doubt in my life that we have a real adversary, as 1 Peter 5, 8 says, an adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeking, uh, walking about seeking whom he may devour. And we see lives being torn apart. We see lives that have been marred and seared by his assaults. Uh, and we may never see him personally in person, but we can see the results. And so a shepherd, he goes and he seeks and he defends. At all times we should be wise 
to walk a little closer to Christ. You know, the, the reality is, is that, I, that the devil's much stronger than I am. As a matter of fact, I feel pretty weak because he's, he's been at this a long time. But I am reminded of this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm reminded that if I walk close to my Savior, uh, that nothing that He brings against me will harm me. I'm reminded that though I may walk through valleys, though I may go through difficulties, I have nothing to fear because my, my Christ, my Shepherd, my Savior is right there beside me all along the way. Listen, the only sure place is next to the Shepherd. The same is true in our life. If we get in a difficulty beyond ourselves, maybe we're struck dumb with apprehension, maybe we don't know what to do, but Christ is there. And our shepherd wants to be able to work and, and to, to bring uh, peace in the midst of this storm. Uh, this storm. And how do, we, how do we draw close to him? The Bible says in James that draw nigh to him and he will draw nigh to you. The, de the desire then is to walk with the Lord. I've, I've oftentimes have talked with Christians over the years that have backslidden away from God. Maybe God's brought about a circumstance because that's how the Lord works. He brings difficulties in our life oftentimes to draw us back to Him. And they'll say, I, I don't even know. I know I need to be close to God, but I don't even know where to start to be able to walk and to be able to come close to the Lord again. Well, it's very simple. It's simply by getting in God's Word, by reading daily, by talking to God, by praying. By G be, there's no, no magical formula. There's no uh, magic prayer that you pray. You just simply pour your heart out to God and say, God, I'm distant. I want to be close again. God, I want to be faithful to you. God, I need your help. And so, Lord, I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you daily. That's what it means to draw nigh to Him once again, to put yourself in a place where you can hear from God, where you can receive from the Lord, where you can be protected by Him once again. You see, it's not magic. It's just simply a daily devotion to the Lord. You know, it's encouraging to know that in this Christian walk, we're going to walk through some time of great shadows, hardships, valleys. But there's also going to be some mountaintops. Sometimes we just assume that when we become a Christian, that automatically life becomes a garden of delight. And everything is so wonderful Love, peace, and pixie dust, and all that stuff. But the reality is this is not the case. Sometimes life also becomes a garden of sorrow. Just like, just like our Savior went through in Gethsemane. You know, you, don't, you may have mountains, you may have valleys, and there, but even in these experiences, we can take comfort because our shepherd has gone ahead. He's made a preparation. He's provided for us a table land, a place where we can be nourished and fed, a place where we can find safety and security. Even though the enemies are around about, as we stay close to the shepherd, we can be sure of our safety in there. Predators can still attack. Poisonous weeds can still grow. Storms and gales can come over the, the peaks and dozens of other hazards can haunt the high country. But when we're close to Christ, we have nothing to fear. You know, it's not always apparent what tremendous personal cost it's, uh, that it has been for Christ to prepare for us the table. Think about it, if you will. There was a lonely, there was a personal privation of the shepherd. And he would go before and he would uh, attend to that summer range for his stock. And he would, this would be a great sacrifice. There was that loneliness there. But so Christ also has gone before us. And he has 
gone through that loneliness of Gethsemane. He walked through the halls of Pilate. He was nailed to the cross on Calvary. Listen, this table land that He's prepared before you has cost Him much, and He's prepared a way. And so when we come to the Lord's table, it's a, it's a feast of thanksgiving. It's a feast of, uh, that reminds us of His love and care. Do we really appreciate all it cost Him to prepare for us? And here, as we look at this greatest and deepest uh, demonstration of, the, of love that the world has ever known, we see God look down upon sorrow and upon our struggling, upon our sinning humanity, and was moved with compassion for us, His sheep. It cost Him tremendously, but He chose to deliberately descend and live among us that He might deliver us. He laid aside His splendor, His position, he laid aside all of his prerogatives as a perfect and faultless one. He knew he would be exposed to the terrible privation, to ridicule, to false accusations, to rumor, to gossip, to malicious charges, and that he was branded as a glutton, he was branded as a drunkard, he was called a friend of sinners and even imposter. And it entailed his losing his reputation, but it would involve his physical suffering, mental anguish, and spiritual agony upon the cross. In short, it cost our shepherd more than we could ever imagine. It cost the shepherd willing to leave the glories of heaven to come to earth, to lay down his life so that we might have the shed blood of his covering in our life. That was love. And this was God. And as we look at Psalms 23 in verse number 5, and we see that God prepares a table, let me remind you that God has prepared a table for you. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, God has laid everything on the line for you tonight. God has said, listen, I love you enough to die for you. I love you enough to prepare for you. I prepared a place for you. He says in John 14, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. He says, I prepared a place that's so wonderful, so perfect that you can never imagine it. We have oftentimes as preachers, we try to describe what heaven would be like, but there's no way we ever could accurately describe it because there's no way to describe the majesty and the glory of God. And so as we come to this place tonight and we see God's provision, may we, one, draw close to the Lord. May we have a desire and a hunger. If you've been black backslidden, I call you back to the Lord and say, God, I failed you, but I know that you offer forgiveness. And God, I want to walk with you more fervently than ever before. Secondly, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that Christ has prepared that way for you so that you may have a hope in heaven. I had a young man saved here last, last week so that he, he heard the news and he was willing to receive it. Man, we praise the Lord for that, but what about you? We can't go to heaven on someone else's faith. It's all on yours. And so tonight, as just as the shepherd has provided, he wants you to know he's also thrilled to death when you're willing to come and to trust in him. And when you do, that's what it means to live richly. That's what it means to be able to walk with quiet assurance, to be able to know that he is with you. And so, fathers, we come before you tonight. We recognize that you are our great Good, wonderful shepherd. Lord, I don't have enough adjectives to describe the incredible majesty of who you are. My tongue fails me. But God, as your sheep, we recognize that you do more for us than we could ever, ever imagine. Lord, you go before us, you prepare the way. 
Lord, and many people here tonight maybe feel anxious about their tomorrow, an upcoming test, a cancer diagnosis, uh, Lord, problems or issues they're facing. And God, I just ask you, Lord, that you and your mercy and your goodness, Lord, would allow us to, to see your work that's as you go before us. That in this moment, Lord, we would be willing to trust in you tonight. And if there's any Christian here that is doubting, I pray that, Lord, we would know that you're already in our tomorrow. But God, I pray also for those that are lost, that they would see your provision for them. That you prepared a place. And if they will just simply come to you for salvation, they can have assurance that they have a home in heaven. We thank you, Father. Now work, we pray in Christ's name.